topic tonight is from Isaiah chapter 40, Comfort My People. 40 verse 1 starts with that very phrase, Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So this is a, another commandment of the Lord. Right? God commands us to speak comfort to Jerusalem. It's amazing how the majority of the world has this backwards. <laughs> I don't know, maybe if you read it backwards, maybe they're dyslexic or something like that. I don't know, maybe something there uh, in the wording, if you read it upside down or something like that. It says, denounce them, boycott them, uh, uh, you know, uh, defame them, and curse them, yeah, drive them into the sea, and, you know, make his life as hard as you can for him. I mean, it's absolutely amazing the things that are going on. Uh, I mean, I don't want to date the, the recording, but I mean... <laughs> It doesn't matter. I could say this any time, any time. It's just been for years and years and years. It's just unbelievable. Uh, the, the disrespect and the way this small little nation is treated compared to the rest of the world. The way the UN treats it, the way uh, other countries treat it, the way its ally, uh, United States, treats it. It's unbelievable. Um, I mean, with friends like that, I mean, who needs enemies? Um, Europe, the European Union, uh, any group of people should feel sorrow, repentance, and, and uh, remorse. The EU is just horrible, leading the way in, in doing horrible stuff. Stuff's coming out all the time, every day, every week, how horrible it is in Europe towards Israel, towards the Jewish people there. And what has done, been done in the past, uh, from just this week came out, that how British encouraged the Arabs to fight against uh, Israel, the new Israel, the birth of Israel in, in 1948. I mean, we always had kind of inklings of that, but it is another new evidence of it um, from the political escalon down. It's just horrible. But God's word commands us to comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem. That's what he commands us to do. And as Bible believers, that is what we should do. And it's amazing how many professed Bible believers, again, are, are leading the boycott and, and denouncing and, and, and twisting the arms of Israel. Well, I shouldn't say just that. I mean, it's amazing how many. It's amazing how many Jewish people also uh, don't bring comfort to Jerusalem. Uh, I'm not going to be able to pause here, um, but God's word tells us to comfort and speak comfort to Jerusalem. How? By crying out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that the sins are forgiven. That is the message that God commands us to give. The war is over. The battle is over. As far as God is concerned, the war is over. God has already won not only the battle, 
but God has won the war. He's won the war. Our sins are forgiven. The Messiah has been sacrificed for us. He has defeated Satan. Satan hasn't acknowledged it yet, but he is a defeated foe. God has won. And if God says it, it is a fact. The sins are forgiven. Her iniquity is pardoned. Her warfare is ended. I don't even say future tense. It doesn't say, don't worry, it won't be long. Soon it will end. A little bit longer. Hold on a little bit longer. No. The warfare is ended. As far as God's concerned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. How could she have paid double for her sins? Well, we've borne the results of wrong choices since even Adam on. We've borne the results of our sins. We've borne our iniquities in that sense. We've experienced hardship. We've experienced trouble. From our own choices and our own wrong choices, we bear the results of those things. But what about the double? The double for all her sins. How have our sins been paid for twice? Well, once in again that we receive hardships in this earth from wrong choices that we make and our ancestors down the lines have made. But they've been paid for twice in that the Messiah himself has paid for them. He has become our sacrifice, that he died for them. Thus, Satan's tactic has worked twice in afflicting us and afflicting him as well. Thus, the warfare is over because the price has been paid. The iniquity has been pardoned twice over. We've borne the results. And the Messiah has borne the eternal result in dying the second death, the eternal death, for us. He became the accursed thing for us and paid the ultimate price for us. Oh, what love. Oh, what amazing grace. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the sons and daughters of God. That he would pay such a high price for us. For us. Such a high price. That the Father would give his own son. That the Son would give his life as a ransom for us. This is the words of comfort. The iniquity is pardoned. The price has already been paid. Parole officer has said, you are pardoned, you can go free. That is the message of comfort that God commands us to give. Stop fighting in your own strength. Stop fighting your own battles. Trust in the Lord. And let him fight mightily for you. For his arm is not too short to say. He is mighty. Lord God Almighty. Verse 3. 
the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places made smooth. There was a man named John Yochanan down at the Jordan River, just down straight down from Jerusalem, immersing people, telling them, your iniquity has been pardoned. Your sins are forgiven and washed away. Repent and turn from your sins. And they asked him, well, who are you? And he quotes, Isaiah 40, verse 3. I'm just a voice in the wilderness preparing the way of the Lord to make straight the path of the Lord. God's, the Elijah spirit poured out upon him, giving the Elijah message prior to the Messiah's first coming. The Lord has called us to be the Elijah message again, to give that Elijah message again. To speak comfort to Jerusalem, to God's people, to repent from their sins, to turn from their sins, and to turn unto God. He has called us to be a voice in the wilderness, to speak up, to cry aloud. Your iniquity is pardoned. Your warfare is over. The Messiah has won. The Messiah has paid the price for us. Every valley will be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. God equals everything out. He levels it all out. Those that have been hurt and trampled, he lifts up. Those that are proud and haughty, he brings down. He levels it all. Because he paid one price for us all. One price for all of us, that means we are all worth the same. No one is worth any more. No one is worth any less. We're all equal at the foot of the Messiah. And our worth is invaluable. Our worth is worth more than gold, silver, rubies, homes, cars. Our worth is more than all the things of this world compiled together. Our worth is more than the world itself. Someone was able to control the whole world, <laughs> as many have tried, and then sell it to the highest bidder. Your individual worth is more than all the land and all the ocean and all the resources of this earth. Because that was the price that was paid for you. And technically, even more than that. Our worth, individually, each of us, personally, is more than the whole universe. More than God's throne itself, because that is the price that God paid in giving himself for our sins. And he paid that even if it was just for Eve, even if it was just for Adam, even if it was just for you. That is the price that he paid. So every valley is brought up and every mountain and hill is brought low. And all of us are equal. No one worth any more, 
no one worth any less than the very life of God himself. That's pretty valuable. How much is God worth? If you were to sell them on eBay, how much would you... <laughs> what would you post? What would be the starting bid? <laughs> how much is God worth? They would auction him off somewhere or put some price on him. How much is he worth? That is the price he paid for you. Puts us on the same plane as himself. What a God. Every valley lifted up, every mountain and hill brought love. We're all equal. And equal to his price. The crooked places will be made straight. If your life has been crooked, going to the left and to the right, up and down, here and there, high points and low points, times of fallings and backslidings, you will make your life straight. He'll get us on that straight and narrow path, and he is powerful enough to keep us from falling and to keep us on that path. And the rough places made smooth. You had a rough life? Maybe a rough childhood? Maybe you've gone through some difficulties? Maybe you've gone through a lot of difficulties? Maybe you've experienced a lot of hardships in your life? Maybe you've suffered at the hands of others? Maybe you've walked some rough paths. Maybe you have some scars, maybe some deep wounds walking along this rough path. He's promised to make the rough paths smooth. Promises to carry us through. He promises his yoke is easy. His burden is light. He will take us through. He's able to heal the wounds. He's able to deliver the sin-sick soul. Comfort my people. Prepare the way of the Lord. In the wilderness of this world, this drying up dead world, sins are forgiven. The iniquities are pardoned. We are valued at the value of God. He has lifted you up. He has laid low the proud. He'll straighten things out. And he'll smooth our path. What a God. How much more can we ask for? Verse 5. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Every eye shall see. The glory of the Lord. He will come in the glory of his Father with all of his angels, and every eye shall see him. And some will say, Lo, this is our God, we have waited for him. And others will hide from that glory and call for the mountains and the rocks to fall on them and to hide them from the face of the lamb slain. Hide us 
from the wrath of the Lamb. Glory of the Lord will be revealed. He will be exalted in that day. And the voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? What shall we cry? What is the message that God has for us to give to comfort his people? We've read some, I think, already. But he cries again, what shall I say? Verse 6, all flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like a flower of the field. You're beautiful like grass. You're beautiful like flowers. But the grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. Every mountain and hill will be laid low. Every beautiful flower will fade. The grass will wither. We are mortal and we will die. But it's not about us. That's our biggest problem. We think it's about us. They think it's all about us. We go to work, school, thinking, what are they thinking about me today? We leave, what do they think of what I did today? I think it's all about us. I think we have rights and we deserve this. We deserve more. I should have more friends on Facebook. Why don't they like me more? Why more people click me? You think it's all about us. How do I look? How do I do? Am I performing? What are they thinking about me? But it's not about us. We strive, gain the grade, make it to the team, be remembered in the yearbook, be written up, have lots of friends, have that boyfriend, that girlfriend, to get that job, to get that promotion, get that house, we strive, we strive, build our little castles here. I've been in, in Germany in that, that castle that uh, Disneyland modeled their castle after, up on this hill. Beautiful, magnificent thing, unbelievable view. I mean, just amazing. See it in a far distance, just beautiful. It's empty, nobody lives there. <laughs> you know? We can build these castles or flowers and grass and eventually will fade and it'll just become a monument that people will go and visit. You think our little home, anyways, <laughs> you know, is as much as that. We strive and try to save up, build that retirement, live to retirement, have those golden years. And, and then our next goal, I don't know what, you know, maybe 
have that monument <laughs> you know, with the dash between when we were born and died. It all eventually ends. Passing of 70, 80, 90, 100 years, 30, 40, whatever. It all passes. That's the message. What shall I say? Tell them they're nothing. <laughs> Tell them you're just grass, you're going to die. <laughs> Stop trying to accumulate here. Stop trying to build up here where moth and rust will corrupt and eat. Stop living for here. Stop living for now. It's not about here. It's not about now. The word of God stands forever. That's what counts. The word of God is what counts. The glory of the Lord will be revealed. He's coming again. He's taking us to our eternal home. He's taking us to the new Jerusalem. Taking us to the mansions he's preparing for us. Taking us to the place that he's preparing for us. With the streets of gold, the gates of pearls, the river of life, he's taking us to his home. The word of God stands forever. Our iniquity is pardoned. The warfare is over. The price has been paid. Double. Our worth is in God. Our worth is in what he has done for us. Our worth is in what he is doing for, through us. Our worth is in what he has planned for us. Our worth is in eternal life. Our plans and our goals need to be how are we going to spend eternity? Not how are we going to spend retirement. Not how are we going to spend our married life. Not how are we going to spend our, our careers. Our goal should be and our thoughts and our plans should be how am I going to spend eternity? What, am I going to, what materials am I going to use for my eternal home? When it creates the new heavens and new earth, start thinking about that. What are you going to build with there? Because where our goals are, that's where our heart is, and that's where our feet go. That's where our thoughts are. Our goals need to be on the eternal because the word of God stands forever. And that is a kingdom that will never fade, that will never wither, that will never rot, that will never corrode, that will never become an empty museum. The word of God stands forever. Verse 9, O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up to the high mountain, O Jerusalem. You who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid, say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. O Zion, O Jerusalem, say to the Jews, say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Look to him. Look full in his wonderful face. Look to him because the word of God will stand forever. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Behold him. Behold God in the scriptures. That's where it counts. 
And it's sad today. It's sad today how many of God's people, how many Jewish people, how many professed believers in the Bible are not beholding God, are not seeing him. We put our own man-made features on him. We've created him into our image. We ignore him and we deny him and we try and make heaven here. We try and build up this world. Tacoma alum. The repairing of the world. Yes, while we're here, we need to do what we can while we're here to comfort the people of this world, to minister to the sick, to give the message of God, bless those that are hurting. But it's not about here. Our works that God does through us here is only to help others get to there. That's the only purpose. It's not to leave some legacy here. It's not to try and get this world to live forever. It's not going to. God's commanded us to care for it while we're here. We shouldn't abuse it. But it's not about here. It's not about the here and now. We need to behold God high and lifted up. That's what Isaiah in the beginning, in the beginning chapters he saw God high and lifted up. And his throne filled the temple. The voice of the Holy One shook the pillars. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Behold God. Stop looking at ourselves. Stop worrying about ourselves. Stop worrying about our future. Stop worrying about our today. Stop worrying about us. And behold him. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Look to him. Because he stands forever. Unmovable. Firm and secure. It's where our anchor needs to be. Grounded in him. Not in ourselves. Not in this world. Not in our talents, not in our abilities, not in us. The mountains and hills need to be laid low. And the insecurities, valleys set aside and lifted up to God's level. Behold him. Behold your God. Look to him. That's the message. Behold your God. Verse 10. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. Behold him. He is coming. Coming on the clouds. Riding victoriously come and take us home with him. A warfare is over. Behold him in his strong arm, his strong hand defeating his enemies before him. And his reward is with him. 
What is his reward? The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Yeshua the Messiah. He's coming with his rewards. When he comes, he will give his presence. He comes, and he'll give everyone their due. To those who've beheld him, to those who've looked to him, eternal life. To those who've looked at self, who've focused on themselves. Poor me's and the great me's will get their reward. Verse 11. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. What a beautiful depiction of God. Behold him, coming with his strong arms. Mighty, powerful, almighty. And yet he gathers the lambs in his arms. And he carries them close to his heart. And he gently leads those who are with Yah. He is strong and gentle at the same time. What a character of God. What a picture of God. Totally different than the world has of what is God or what is godly. Now how you get this picture, they... Godliness means being a wimp, being walked all over. And we picture God's angels as little cupids with bows and arrows. He's a strong and mighty God. But he's able to gently lead us. Where we get this picture of this tyrannical God so mean and cruel that he doesn't love us that he's there checking off the mistakes and just waiting till we make another one and even tripping us up no he's strong and mighty but he loves us and he will gently lead us he's paid the price for us Verse 15, Behold, the nations are as a drop in the bucket and are counted as small dust on the scales. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted by him less than nothing and worthless. I think a monument should be placed at the UN that has this message on it. <laughs> a big banner, right? And drive up and down in front of the UN, back and forth, all day long. There's a big banner over this, get a big semi-truck with a big banner on it and a megaphone, right? <laughs> Behold, the nations are a drop in the bucket and counted as a small dust on the scales. All the nations before him are nothing. <laughs> They're counted by him as less than nothing, and you are worthless. sit there and make their rules and threats and they're nothing. 
Iran, all of them, nothing. The threats, the boastings, nothing. Nothing. The rulers of this world are nothing. They're worthless. They're less than nothing. The word of the Lord stands forever. Everything that's against him, and proud and boastful and arrogant, will be brought low. At the arm of the Lord, the strong arm of the Lord. Verse 21, have you not known? Have you not heard? Has not the, it been told from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? He who sits above the circle of the earth. Its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches the heavens like a curtain, spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. God is over it all from the foundation. Do you think Isaiah believed in creation? Does it sound like that? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? Sits above the circle of the earth. He's above it all. He sits on the throne. No one else. No one else. God and God alone. Verse 23. He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. You thought they were useless on their own. <laughs> he makes the judges of the earth useless. The judgments, decrees, International criminal court, all this stuff. It's useless. Word of the Lord endures forever. Of worrying about the news, behold your God. Worrying about your boss's decree, the principal's decree, the teacher's decree. The word of the Lord stands forever. That's what counts. What does God's word say about you? What does God's word say about your future? That's the only thing that matters. The rest of them can talk. God's word will stand forever. And his people will stand forever. <clears throat> the word of the Lord will endure. Our warfare is ended. Our iniquity is pardoned. He brings the princes of this earth to nothing. Nothing. So if you think you're something, you're nothing. And less than nothing. Our worth is in God. Verse 25. To whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might and his strength, his power, not one is missing. He's the creator. He made all things. Bring the scientific evolution garbage to nothing. So expose it for what it is. 
man-made denial of God. Lift up your eyes and see who has created these things. Behold your creator, the one who formed you, who formed us from the foundation of the world, who has known us before he even created the world. He knew your name. He knew your life. He knew you. And he loved you with an everlasting love. And he engraved you on the palms of his hands that he would never forget us. Our Savior, our Redeemer. Verse 28, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary, his understanding is un searchable. Again, do you think Isaiah believed in creation? We're not talking about just taking the first two chapters of the Bible and saying, well, that's just allegorical. When we go with theistic revolution, that God somehow evolved this thing, we've got to cross out lines out of the whole Bible and say all these guys didn't know what they were talking about because they're not as smart as we are. He is the everlasting God. He is the Lord. He is the creator of the ends of the earth, of the universe. And he never faints. And he never gets weary. He never sleeps nor slumbers. His eyes are always upon you. What a God. Do you believe his word? we take him as his word. His word endures forever. His word shall stand forever. Our job is to believe. And even if we can't believe, we can cry out, Lord, help my unbelief. Give me more faith. Lord, I desire to believe. Choose to believe. Choose to believe God's word. Not what we see. Right? We look at the world. Oh my, the nations are big. Oh my, the UN is big. Oh my, Congress is big. Oh no, they're threatening this. The judges are saying this. They're overturning God's word here and they're overturning God's word there. We'll make the judges nothing. And the princes nothing. We look to this world and it looks like a lot of big characters out there. But if we behold our God, the everlasting God, the Lord, the one from the beginning, the creator of the ends of the earth, who never sleeps, who never grows weary, who will not die. All these ones that can try to control us and manipulate us, they'll all die. They're like grass and flowers, wither and fade. Behold, our God, who is eternal, was everlasting. He never faints. He never sleeps. He never gets tired. He never loses. He endures forever. Behold our God. His understanding is unsearchable. Google and the NRA and all these others may think they know everything about you, but not like God. 
God knows everything about them. <laughs> His understanding is unsearchable. We'll study him and focus on him for eternity and still learn more about him. We think we know him. We think we got him in a box. We think we got him pictured. We think we can explain everything. His ways are way beyond our ways. He knows what's best. He knows what's best. And just as surely as he's got a place ordained for us in heaven, he's got a place for us here on earth every moment of every day of our lives. He knows what's best. His ways are unsearchable. We don't understand it all here. We don't understand a lot of it here. Probably only understand maybe a small little fraction here. But in eternity, he'll unfold wise. His ways are unsearchable. We think we understand him. We think we see him. Unsearchable. For all eternity, we're learning more and more of the glory of God and the goodness of God. His ways are unsearchable. He never faints nor gets weary. What a God. We can trust in him. He never goes to sleep. All those that threaten us become like grass and fade away. They have to go to sleep. They become old. They get weak. They die. They have to go to the bathroom. But God, he never gets weary. He never faints. He never stops. He never goes to sleep. His eyes are always, always, always upon us. And his arms are mighty to save, strong and powerful. And he'll carry us gently, carrying a lamb. Take us through the rough places and make them smooth. Behold, your God. He never faints. He never gets weary. Right? Isn't that what Elijah said to the, on Mount Carmel? Cry louder to your gods. They're cutting themselves. Cry louder. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he had to go to the bathroom. Cry louder. But God, our God, does not grow weary. Does not grow faint. Does not go to sleep. And the word of the Lord stands forever. Stand on that promise. The promises of the bank and the promises of all these warranties they give us stand on the promises of God. Verse 29, he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. So how do you get strong? By getting weak. The weaker we are, the stronger we will be. That's what Paul said. When I am weak, then I am strong. The key in this life is to become weak in God. And the key to becoming weak is to realize we're already weak. <laughs> we're like grass and we're like flowers and we wither and we fade and we grow weary. 
And when we just acknowledge it and stop lifting ourselves up and stop pumping ourselves up and stop thinking we're so great and stop thinking the world revolves around us and stop thinking that everyone, that we're the center of it all, and realize we're weak and we're in need of him. And when we realize we're weak and in need of him, he will gently carry us on his path. When we're struggling to want to do it our way, we think we know better, we think we know what's right. Why didn't you answer my prayer? Don't I know more than you? When we realize how weak we are, then we are strong. He gives power. Does God help those who help themselves? Is that what that says? He gives power to those who give power to themselves. He gives power to the strong. No. Nowhere in the Bible does he help those who help themselves. He gives power to the weak. To those who have no might, he increases strength. I don't know how you can increase someone who has no might. But that's the key of the Lord. Because our might is in him, our strength is in him, and if we acknowledge that we have no strength in our own, but we are 100% totally dependent on you, and you alone to see me through this problem, you alone to see me through my life, you alone to help me out in my everyday situation, you alone are the mighty one. Then he can increase the strength. Then he can give power to the weak. Because then he gets the honor and glory where it deserves, where it belongs. Trust in him. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. He gives power to the weak. Those who have no might increases strength. What are you needing? Do you need power? Do you need strength? Do you need help? Do you need hope? and acknowledge your weakness before God and cry out to him for his power and for his strength. That's the way to get it. Verse 30. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So even the little kids in the kids' room there, they look like little energizer bunnies all the time, right? But they, no, they will grow faint and they will get weary. Eventually they plop out. Usually long after I do. But nonetheless, they, you know, eventually they will grow weary and faint. Our teenagers, strong, mighty, growing. They grow weary and they faint. The young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, no matter how old. If we are weak, we are strong. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They that wait upon the Lord, wait upon him, 
Acknowledge our weakness. Acknowledge our utter and total need of Him. And in Him, we will mount up on wings like eagles. We will run, no matter how young or how old. We will run and not be weary. In the power of the Lord, in the might of the Lord, upward to Mount Zion, we will run to Mount Zion. We will walk and not faint. We'll walk on the straight and narrow path. The crooked ways will be made straight. The rough roads will be made smooth. Wait upon the Lord. Trust in his power. Trust in his might. Trust in his strength. Wait upon him. Behold your God. Are you needing strength today? Are you needing might today? Are you feeling weary? Are you feeling faint? Are you feeling like giving up? Are you tired? The battle be getting old and long. The trouble seeming hard. The aches and pains growing. The hurts and the heartache. Overwhelming. Behold your God. Wait upon the Lord. He will renew your strength. He'll mount you up on wings like eagles. Give you the power to run and not grow weary. To walk and not grow faint. Trust in the Lord. He will carry you with his mighty, strong, but gentle arms. Trust in the Lord. For you are a valley He wants to lift you up in the worth of the Lord. If you're a mountain, a hill, proud and lifted up, he wants to lower you, give you his worth in him, not in yourself. You need a strength, need a power. Acknowledge our weakness before Him and cry out to God. Help me and uphold. The princes and the judges of this world beating you down, the nations of this world causing fear in your heart. Behold your God. The word of the Lord stands forever. Comfort my people. Comfort Jerusalem. Your iniquities have been pardoned. Your warfare is over. Messiah has paid the price for you. You're valuable in his sight. So great tonight. Whatever we're needing, Whatever you're individually needing, cry out to God. Whether you're needing faith, whether you're needing help, whether you're needing strength, whether you're needing to believe in his word, whether you're needing to see him and behold him, whether you're weary, 
faint, cry out to him. Whether you think you're strong, you need to acknowledge you're weak. Whether things seem crooked and your path has been going zigzaggy all over the place, hold your God. Whether you're going through a rough period, behold your God. Guilt overwhelming, behold your God. You're in the midst of the battle, the warfare is over. He has won for you. Your iniquities are pardoned. You need in comfort. He loves you with an everlasting love. His mighty arms are outstretched for you. He carries you through. Pray together. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we're thankful for your word. Thankful that you bring comfort to us. Thankful that you a way in the wilderness. Lord, walk us through that path. Carry us through that path. Lead us through that path. Strengthen us. There's the power to run and not grow weary. To walk and not grow faint. Lift us upward and onward. Give us faith. Thank you for winning the war. Thank you for forgiving our sins. Thank you for paving the way for us with your blood. Thank you for redeeming us and saving us. Thank you for lifting us up. In Yeshua's holy name.